0: Well, um, this evening, I'd like us uh, to continue uh, the study that we've been doing, which is called Flesh and Blood Jesus. Um, And uh, the aim of this series, as you know, has been to think through um, different ways in which Jesus's humanity is revealed to us in the New Testament. And as we do that, we're being reminded not only that Jesus is the Son of God, but also that he is the perfect human. In Jesus, we see the glory of God being revealed, but we also see everything that humanity is meant to be. I want us to turn uh, together um, uh, in a little bit more detail uh, to the passage that we read. And our title this evening is, uh, He is Lord Let's look again at uh, verses 38 to 39. But we'll really be looking at the section 31 to 39. We can read these words again at the end, though. But I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Throughout this series, we've been thinking about um, some of the key emphases that uh, that scripture uh, highlights to teach us about Jesus' experience as a human. So we've looked at things like how he prayed, how he read his Bible, how he was tempted, how he got angry, and all of these combine to reveal the fullness of what Jesus experienced when he became a human. Um, And All of these different things that we've been looking at are pointing to the fact that when Jesus became flesh and blood, he began a remarkable journey. And that word journey is in many ways um, a key term um, thinking about Jesus and his humanity. And it's a word that we're going to use for our two headings tonight. And our headings, uh, as you can see, are his journey, and our journey and i want to just look at these together for a moment tonight so first of all uh, his journey the journey that jesus uh, took when he became flesh and blood um, is often described under two great headings and you can see them there uh, on the screen uh, humiliation and exaltation these are the two big words that we use to describe jesus's journey now, when we say humiliation, um, we don't mean in the sense of being embarrassed, like we'll often use that term. What we mean is in terms of being made low and exaltation, therefore, is the opposite of that. Uh, it speaks of being lifted high. So in, uh, in terms of uh, Jesus's journey, you have a downward journey, which is humiliation, and you then have. Uh, An upward journey, which is exaltation. Uh, Just a wee reminder to mute yourself if you're not uh, uh, here. Um, These two things, uh, uh, a downward journey and an upward journey. Humiliation, exaltation. At the centre of that, of course, is the cross. The cross is the lowest point in Jesus's humiliation. In fact, it's the destination that he reached in that humiliation, but it's also the starting point. From the cross, Jesus ascends upwards on a journey of exaltation. And all of that is described magnificently in the verses that we read at the start um, as our call to worship. Paul says, have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Uh, though he was in the form of God he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself there's the starting point of, of that downward humiliation taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form he humbled himself there's the language of humiliation by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross and then from that point something new happens. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. And the key result of this whole journey is that Jesus is Lord. That means that he has authority. So that's that's really what the word uh, Lord is speaking about. The word Lord means uh, ruler or master. It also means that Jesus is sovereign. He now reigns as king and ruler over the whole universe, and it means that he is supreme. He is the name that is above every name, and at his name every other knee. Is going to bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is utterly supreme, and that's the amazing journey that Jesus took. He did not hold on to the glory that he had here with the Father from all eternity, but he uh, he entered that journey of humiliation. He came down alongside us born in poverty and obscurity laid in a manger growing up to experience all the struggles and difficulties of human life going all the way to the agonizing depths of gethsemane and the cross but from there he is now risen and ascended and he is now at the right hand of god in a position of total supremacy But the key point that I want us to highlight is that from here, all the way along this journey, at every point, Jesus takes his humanity with him. So he took the full reality of being a normal human and in doing so, he came alongside us here as humans. But not only that, he took the responsibility of a failed humanity, and he went to the cross in our place and died instead of us, and he rose again in resurrected humanity, and in doing so, he brings life to us all, and now he is exalted at the right hand of God, but still in his humanity, he is at the right hand of God. As exalted humanity, Jesus is Lord, and the Lord is flesh and blood. In other words, the Lord of the universe is one of us. And that's the crucial point that Paul highlights in verse 34. Um, it says in that verse, um, Who's to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died for us. More than that, who was raised. So there again you have it, the language of humiliation, the language of exaltation. Now he is at the right hand of God. But what is he doing at the right hand of God? He is interceding for us. Now, that's something that we must never forget. That that Jesus' work for you does not end at the cross, it continues. In fact, it continues forever because he is interceding for us, for you at God's right hand. So that means that Jesus isn't just our high priest on the cross, he is our high priest forever. That means that if you are a Christian or if you become one, then today, tomorrow, And forevermore, Jesus is standing at the right hand of God, constantly declaring that his work on the cross is effective for you. Your debt has been paid. Your sins have been totally dealt with, and no accusation whatsoever can threaten you, because Jesus is interceding for you forever. And that, of course, is why if if you want assurance for your salvation, you don't need to look back and think, "Oh, I, I had an amazing experience a few years ago," or "I had an amazing conversion that way back then," and 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 you know I, I can hold on to that, or or I've had some amazing experiences in my Christian life um, that 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 I can hold on to because that that shows me that I'm I'm secure. It's it's so incredibly easy. Uh, to think like that in terms of a Christian experience if you think of this is you as a Christian we kind of think you know um if you look back over time that's your past there and um, we think you know oh there was this great moment then when I was converted or there was this great moment a few years after that when something incredible happened and we think oh if we can just hold on to the way we felt then then you know I know I'll be safe and I'll know I'll secure but you know you don't need big moments like that to hold on to and most Christians don't have them and you don't need them because if you want assurance you just need to remember that right now you have a high priest a great high priest interceding for you at the right hand of God he is standing for you, he is advocating for you, he is guaranteeing that you are his and he is doing that at every single second that the clock ticks. So behind me there's a clock, I don't know if you can see it very well, but that is actually a clock, that silver thing, every single click of that clock, if you're a Christian, Jesus is interceding for you. And he will never stop the exalted flesh and blood jesus is interceding for you and at one level we think of that and we think oh you know what? that's amazing um because we think of jesus as exalted and we think you know isn't it amazing that we can think of the exalted jesus and say he is one of us that is amazing but the really amazing thing is that if you are a christian or if you become one, the flesh and blood Jesus, who is exalted at the right hand of God, is looking at you and is saying, She is one of mine. When Jesus became flesh and blood, he went on a journey. The climax of that journey is that now and forevermore, flesh and blood Jesus is Lord. But what about our journey? How does this relate to your flesh and blood day-to-day life? Well, there's lots of things that we could say about that. um, But I want us to focus on the fact that at the end of Romans 8, the passage that Jill read for us, um, Paul speaks about many of the things that threaten our flesh and blood. And there's two elements to this. the first group, uh, if you like, is in verse 35. Um, And here Paul talks about um, what we could call day-to-day threats uh, to our flesh and blood. Um, He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. Now, um, there's a list of day-to-day threats um, to our flesh and blood. Now, but us reading it today we can think well yeah that's probably not as relevant to us as it would have been um, in the days of of Paul writing to the Romans um and and at first reading I can understand why you would maybe feel like that or or we could think to ourselves well yeah that would be more relevant to some part of the church that's being you know um much more persecuted than we are and and at one level that is true because in in our country we it is the case that we enjoy many blessings, and privileges, and protections that that make life a lot easier for us as Christians. But if we look at these words a little bit more closely, uh, I I hope we can see that um, that it's actually these words are actually a lot more relevant than we might think. So let's just go through them one by one uh, quite briefly. So the first one we have here is tribulation. Now. Um, That can maybe seem a little bit of a strange word for our day-to-day lives just now. Um, If I was to ask you, um, you know, were you under tribulation last week, um, then I think you would probably say no. But that word literally means pressure. And if I was to ask you, um, did you feel under pressure last week? I think the answer is probably very likely to be yes. Pressure is a huge issue for all of us, Um, and it can come from so many points, from work, from homeschooling, from our peer group, from um, money, uh, from studies that we're doing, deadlines that we have to meet, even from decisions that we have to make. All these things uh, can so often leave us feeling under huge pressure. And our bodies, our flesh and blood bodies, our health can so easily buckle under that pressure. Next word is uh, distress. Um, Now that word uh, literally means narrowness. Um, So um, it's kind of like, we might describe that in terms of like feeling trapped. or feeling forced into a corner. And so often life does that to us. Um, We can be forced into having to deal with a really difficult situation at work, or we might be forced to to face a bad diagnosis, um, or we might be trapped in circumstances or habits um, that can hurt us. Um, That kind of distress, that narrowness uh, can be a threat us. Uh, Then we've got persecution. Now, obviously, for many Christians in the world, uh, that's exactly what it means. It's being oppressed by enemies of Christianity. And as we said, we are so blessed that in so many ways it's not like that for us, that we have freedoms and privileges um, that protect us. But the word persecution literally means uh, to be pursued, um, or we might maybe say to be harassed and that is definitely something that we can often feel. It might not be directly because of our faith, but it might be because of a, maybe a difficult colleague that we've got to work with, or maybe someone at school who's giving us a hard time, or maybe, maybe, even, an, an abusive, um, maybe even an abusive family member. For some people, day-to-day life um, can feel like you're being hounded. Then we have famine. Again, we find ourselves thinking, well, you know, that's, that's maybe not so relevant to us. And again, that's true. But um, at the same time, we still know that we would be totally vulnerable if the food supply was interrupted or if the economy collapsed. And things never got that bad during the lockdown. But when people were going bananas at Tesco's and, and grabbing everything for themselves, it did kind of make you think, you know, what would happen if this if this supply chain was um, to stop, and and it's probably the case that even in Scotland there are far more people than we realise who are worrying about how to put food on the table. Uh, next word is nakedness. Um, that again might seem a wee bit strange for us today. We tend to think, well, that's not a problem any of us have. But of course, the key thing is that that word nakedness is really. Just speaking of being vulnerable or being unprepared or being exposed. Now maybe in Paul's time there was danger of being exposed and to the cold in winter, particularly if you were traveling. Today we've got plenty of clothes for a winter's day but it's definitely the case that we all feel hugely vulnerable to the threat of infection, particularly in light of of Covid. And of course our naked faces are being covered all the time just now to protect our flesh and blood from a very real threat. And then we have uh, danger which just conveys the idea of, of, of being um, at risk of something. Um, again, um, it's, uh, it's for us, we're not in danger from maybe from enemies or from wild animals that that, 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 that people might've been in, in in earlier periods of history or in other parts of the, the world. But at the same time, we all have aspects of our lives that put us at risk. Um, that might be, our, it might be our diet, it might be our stress levels, it might be our habits, it might be our dependence on a medication or something like that. And the fact that our workplaces are kind of overflowing with risk assessments um, is because risk and danger is still very real. And then last of all, we've got sword, um, which of course is is, um, in many ways serving as a metaphor for violence. Um, And although we do live in a society that's full, that's got a good level of law and order, at the same time, violent crime still happens. And if you were to walk through the streets of Edinburgh at two in the morning on your own, would you feel totally safe? All these things, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, and sword, they're all threats to our flesh and blood. And as we said, these are kind of day-to-day threats. Uh, then, though, in verse 35 and 36, uh, or oh, sorry, rather, um, 38 to 39, um, we have what we could maybe call cosmic threats. Um, Paul uh, talks about other things. Um, And so he talks about life and death, angels, rulers, things present, things to come, powers, height, depth. And here he's really talking about big, big things. So whether it's in the physical realm of space and time and geography, or the spiritual realm of principalities and powers, There are many, many cosmic forces that can threaten us. And so that means that on our journey, our day to day flesh and blood, on on our flesh and blood journey, both at a day to day level and at a cosmic level, we are all facing threats. That might be physical challenges, it might be mental distress, it might be spiritual conflict, it's probably going to be a combination of them all. And over all of that, we all face the the brutal reality of death. And in the face of that, our flesh and blood is very vulnerable. And Paul captures that really powerfully in an image he uses in verse 36, where he says, um, for your sake we've been killed all the day long, we're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And if we think of um, all the chaos in the world, of the pressures that we face around us, If we think of the struggles that are within us, it's so easy to feel as vulnerable and as exposed as a sheep waiting to be slaughtered. So if we try and bring all this together, um, in these verses, Paul is giving us two great images. Uh, On the one hand, we have Jesus here, risen and exalted as the Supreme Lord of all. He is up here, exalted at the right hand of God uh, over uh, over everything. And then we have us, and, and we're down here like a little sheep. And i um, better give him a wee bit of a black face. There we go. Um, we're like a sheep down at the bottom, exposed and vulnerable, and we are facing all these threats, uh, danger, nakedness, famine, sword, pressure, distress, and we're facing the dangers of of heights and depths and time and eternity and powers and forces and all sorts of things. We have all these threats um, pressing in on us. And the result is that we can feel so exposed, so threatened, and so vulnerable. And perhaps a good way of diagnosing whether that applies to you is to ask yourself the question, do you worry about stuff? Because our worrying is a symptom of the fact that we feel exposed we're all too aware that there's threats around us. So the result is that we've got Jesus up here and we are down here and then we've got all these threats pushing in on us all around us. But the absolutely amazing thing about these verses is that Paul is saying that nothing, can separate you from him. And that means that there is an impenetrable defense uniting you to Jesus and protecting you from all these threats. And whether these are day to day ones, like what we have in verse 35. Or whether they are cosmic ones, as we have in verses 38 to 39, they've all got one thing in common. They are all powerless when it comes to separating you from Jesus. In fact, the only thing that these threats can ever do, the closer and closer they get and the harder and harder they push, there's only one thing that they can do. And do you know what it is? The only thing they can do is push you closer to Jesus because ultimately the biggest thing that these threats can do to you is to take your life and they will ultimately but when they do they are just sending you straight into the arms of Jesus and the reason that nothing can separate us from Jesus, as Paul is saying here, is because his journey reaches us right where we are and his journey takes us right to where he wants us to be. If we go back to that diagram, we've got Jesus in his humiliation and in his exaltation at the center of it is the cross. In his humiliation, Jesus reaches right down to where we are, exactly where you are, in all your brokenness and mistakes and regrets, no matter how deep you feel you've gone, Jesus comes low enough, he comes right down to reach you where you are. But in his exaltation, he takes you right where he wants you to be. And that reaches the reality of being brought into Jesus's eternal kingdom where He reigns, where death is crushed, and where we have eternal life in Him. And so He reaches us right here and He takes us all the way up here to where He wants us to be. And all of that is because by faith we are united to Jesus on this journey. We are united to him in his humiliation. So that means that that he's come alongside us. He's taken the same flesh and blood that we have, but he didn't stop there. He's taken His our sin onto his flesh and blood body. He's died in our place. His flesh was broken. His blood was shed to make atonement for our sin. And we are then also united to him in his exaltation so that he is raised to life so are we he is establishing his kingdom we are part of it he is lord and we are his the flesh and blood jesus is exalted here and he is interceding on your behalf because you are united to him the flesh and blood jesus Is interceding for his flesh and blood brothers and sisters. He's doing it on behalf of you. And that of course means that the the eternal life that Jesus offers us and gives us is eternal flesh and blood life. So that means that The great goal of Christianity is not that we're going to be floating around in kind of spiritual, a spiritual haze uh, in heaven as kind of floaty spirits in heaven. That's not the goal. The goal of the gospel is that we will be walking tall and running free in our resurrected flesh and blood bodies, in a new creation, in a beautiful community, in a beautiful new world. But I think the most amazing thing of all is that um, we've got this great journey, Jesus humiliated, you have the cross, exaltation. We are united to him in it all. And at the heart of that union is love. More than anything else, the thing that you cannot be separated from is the love of God. In Christ Jesus. And that's because at the core of the Christian gospel is the eternal, immeasurable, incredible love of God. We look at Jesus' journey. We've got his journey on the screen there before you. Why, why did he go on this journey? Why humiliation? Because he loves you. Why the cross? Because he loves you. Why exaltation? Because he loves you. Why intercession? Because he loves you. Why no separation? Because he loves you. Why did Jesus become flesh and blood? Because he utterly, utterly loves you. So let me conclude. Um, And as we conclude, I just want to... um, highlight four implications that I hope we can take away um, with us. Number one, all of this should shape our perspective on Jesus. We must never forget that Jesus is flesh and blood. And we must never forget that Jesus is the exalted Lord. And that means two crucial things. It means that your view of Jesus can never be too high. Jesus is the exalted King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is utterly supreme. Your view of Jesus can never, ever, ever be too high. But at the same time, your view of Jesus can never be too near. Your view of Jesus can never be too near to you because He is utterly with you. He is utterly committed to you. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is one of us, and you are His. So it should shape our perspective on Jesus. Number two, all of this should shape our perspective on rubbish things that happen in our lives. If you're a Christian, um, or if you become a Christian, when we face rubbish things in life, we must never forget that Jesus knows exactly how that feels. But at the same time, um, when we face rubbish stuff in our lives, we must never forget that ultimately all these threats are actually bringing you closer to Jesus. Often, um, Often when things are are tough in life and and when we're having a terrible week or we feel like just we feel so flat or we feel that everything is just going wrong and everything seems so confusing and when when we have a really rubbish week it's so easy to find ourselves asking the question where is Jesus because sometimes it just feels like he's just miles away and and when things are hard and If that's when Jesus feels further away um, for all of us. It's so easy to feel like that. Um, And, you know, if you do feel like that, that you've had a tough week, and you think, well, where is Jesus? It's, that's how every pretty much every Christian feels when they have a bad week. But if you think about a really difficult rubbish thing happening into your life, what is the theological answer to that question? If you ask, where is Jesus, what is the theological answer to that question? The theological answer is that Jesus is another step closer. Because all these pressures are just bringing you closer and closer to him. Number three, this should shape a perspective on each other. There's an awful lot of important words in uh, Romans uh, chapter 8. It's one of the richest chapters in the whole Bible. Um, But one of the most important words of all um, in these verses that we've been looking at is the second last one. The word Eur. The humiliated, exalted Lord Jesus Christ is our Lord. And that's a great reminder of of the fact that the hope and the security that we have in Jesus are collective. So yes they are personal, they're so beautifully personal, but they're never ever individualistic. In other words, the fact that it's impossible for us to be separated from Jesus also means that as Christians it's impossible for us to be separated from each other. And that's a powerful source of comfort when we think of people that we love. For Christians, any separation that death brings is only ever brief. And it's also a powerful source of healing when we think of people who let us down. We still belong together as Christians and that's why we always need to stick with each other, even when we let each other down. So we need to have a... This needs to shape our perspective on Jesus. It needs to shape our perspective on rubbish things. It needs to shape our perspective on one another. And last of all, it needs to shape our perspective on this week. So I hope that the week ahead is going to be a good week for you. But I'm pretty sure that for all of us, um, This week is going to bring pressures, threats and things that are going to make us worry. But if you're a Christian, is there a single moment this week, in the week ahead, when Jesus isn't Lord? Is there a single moment when you are not united to him? Is there a single moment when he is not interceding for you? Is there a single moment when you aren't His? The answer to all those questions is never. If you are trusting in Jesus, or if you put your trust in Jesus tonight, your flesh and blood life has been totally, eternally transformed by the humiliated, exalted, flesh and blood, Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so, so much that you sent your son and gave him to be our saviour. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for that journey that you undertook. A journey of humiliation and exaltation, all so that we might be saved. And now we just rejoice and marvel in the fact that you are Lord and we pray that that would shape the way that we think and the way that we go into the week ahead. We thank you so much for your extraordinary, unfailing love. And For the hope and healing that you give us in the gospel. We pray that these truths will be written on our hearts and that it would shape the way that we think and that it would shape all that we do in the week ahead. In Jesus' name, Amen.